Welcome to the Odyssey Podcasts. This is Jean Cavellos, Director of Odyssey. Odyssey is an intensive six-week workshop for writers of fantasy, science fiction, and horror whose work is approaching publication quality and for published writers who want to improve their work. Odyssey is held each summer on the campus of St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire. Adult writers from all over the world apply. Only 16 are admitted. Top authors, editors, and agents serve as guest lecturers. For more information, visit www.odysseyworkshop.org. Podcast 40 is an excerpt from Alex Yablokov's lecture at Odyssey 2010 on how plot works in genre fiction. The text of this recording is copyright 2010 by Alex Yablokov. The sound recording is copyright 2010 by Odyssey Writing Workshops. The way I'm going to approach this is I'll give you some academic-ish discussion of plot in some theoretical way. Then I'll talk kind of about genre. We're all genre writers or aspire to be genre writers, and I think there are certain elements of plotting and the choices we make that are influenced by the genre that we've chosen. And then I'll kind of give you some of my observations on how mostly about places you're likely to get stuck. I can probably give you more negative advice than positive advice, which is kind of the, the places that, at least in my experience, people, you tend to pull away from plot or to get stuck on plot. So I start out by saying, I'm not going to go to the difference between story and plot as defined by Ian Forster and Aspects of the Novel, but I am, because everyone does. He wrote a book in 1927 called Aspects of the Novel, which is still worth looking at. And what he says, the way to distinguish between a story and a plot is the story is the king died and then the queen died. A plot is the king died and then the queen died of grief. The difference between those two is cause and effect. I think his point is that a more complicated story has a, a complex linkage of, of cause and effect. I'm going to talk mostly kind of in a novel sense, just because novels are much more complicated. But everything I say should apply to stories as well. Because you need a plot, I think, in our genre particularly. So let's talk about genre a bit. And I'll call it fantastic fiction or fantastic literature, just kind of in a generic sense. And I think genre fiction, is, is it's worth discussing what a genre is and how that affects our, our writing, because there's a lot to it. I'd say we work in a high narrative medium. I'm sure if you read a lot of fiction, you realize that some forms of fiction don't have a lot of narrative in them. But romance, mystery, horror, and high fantasy all have, plots are important to us. We want to see what happens next, and we want to know why it happens next. When you get advanced in your genre stuff, you can hide that a little bit, and character and literary form can come to the fore, but all of that still depends on the knowledge of narrative structure that we bring to the genre. The other thing is, since we use a lot of plot, we use plot at shorter forms than other literary genres do. All the stories I write have plots. That's not typical 
for short fiction in the modern world. This can be exhausting. You have to come up with a lot of them. You don't just come up with situations and emotional states. You have to come up with cause and effect chains that express what you're trying to say. So that's just something to think about. Now, the thing to remember about plot, it's completely unrealistic. It's not like real life. You don't see that cause and effect chain in real life. There's a million loose ends. No one notices what's going on. Real life's too noisy. There's too much other information. And when you're creating a plot for a book, you have to trim that all away. And you know what the real things are. And thus, the characters in the book often do. And plot is the result of many centuries of literary experimentation and work. People tried different things. They found what the readers liked and what was effective to stimulate their brains to come up with interesting stories. So a lot of the techniques of plot are really evolved. People thought of them, but as soon as it worked, other people would use it. So we're the heirs to a long tradition. Uh, we have a lot of ways to entertain and reveal things. All right, what's in plot? Beginning, middle, end. So what's the basic structure? You introduce oppositions right at the beginning. You let them get worse and worse. You reach a crisis, and then at some level, you resolve that. So you have a main character with some important needs and limitations. Character and plot fit together, so I will talk a little about that. The character wants or drives toward something. And, and I'm talking, I, I am really clearly talking about a certain subset of, of works. As you get more complicated, sometimes this essential feature seems to disappear, but I think it's almost always there. Um, the character wants or drives towards something. It can be the source of life force or a scrap of respect from his resentful mother. It, it can be anything. Uh, in pursuing the objective, the character runs into opposition. Popular fiction, it tends to be a conscious person who's opposing them. Call him the villain for a shorthand. In, in other words, it can be the environment or the situation or history or whatever. The character fails to get what he wants, retreats, regroups, tries again. That's the middle part of the plot. And the essence of it for us is torturing the character you most love. You have to find the character, you gotta love the character, and you gotta torment that character. But the more effective at a torture you are, the more effective the plot is. All fun must come to an end, so there's a resolution. You know, the character brings the force back to life, or his mother smiles to herself as she makes him lunch and he realizes she does like him, or he realizes he doesn't care what mom thinks at all, but there's some, some resolution. And I, I pick those two because it can be almost invisible, this force in opposition, but it's always there. And that's pretty much it. I've just given you the whole thing. Now, everything else is commentary and ways of thinking about these, these problems. So you probably hear a lot about this three-act structure. It comes up a lot in screenwriting, particularly. Um, this should be a tool, not a shackle. And so I'm talking about commercial work here, mere entertainment. But mere entertainment is harder than it looks. And the skills and tricks of being an entertainer will deepen and enliven your art, even if you're an extremely serious artist. So there's several steps you have to do. You have to think of it, generate the ideas. You have to write it, maintaining your flow and not getting distracted. 
you have to revise it, which means figuring out what you did and clearing away everything that gets in the way of that. And sometimes it's only at that point, or even in the second revision, that you start to realize what you did or what you meant, or which of the things you did mean the most to you. And often, as I've said, it really is you start with one thing, and then you discover that something else is important, and you've got to learn not to, not to fight that. So I'll focus on mechanics, but you do need this, something to start with. So there's several different ways. You know, you can steal a plot, like I did. That's actually quite honorable in our field. You can start at the beginning, or you can start at the end. We have a lot of stuff we can do in our field. The tools of genre uh, that refi, which is a term I have to say I've never heard. I, I, <laughs> I actually like it. We can use reified metaphors. You know, he's not just a giant personality, he's a giant. You know, your soul isn't just real, it's a little animal that perches on your shoulder. You know, it's, that's one way fantastic fiction is created. We, for science fiction, we can modify technologically normal human behaviors. That's a common story, you know, a device that keeps our love from growing stale, or that enables us not to sleep, or enables us to comprehend God directly, or whatever. We can make those things real. We can take old stories, myths, old pulp fiction, stuff you had to study in English class in high school, and re-explain them as, as, as I did. You know, you can set them in the Jovian atmosphere, tell them from a peripheral character. And then we have standard plots in our field. Find and connect the garden hose, which is the method of most fantasy novels where you have to open up whatever force there, or even collect all the pieces of the garden hose and then hook it up and turn on. Um, the MacGuffin, the old Alfred Hitchcock's thing where everyone's chasing after some object. I've done that. It's fun. Um, solve the Ancient Mystery, which always assumes, speaking of books where everyone knowing that they're in the right book, that ancient mysteries are interesting, you know, and have something to say to us. Um, in real life, that's not usually true, but, um, you know, usually in the book it involves preventing someone from getting crucified or the end of the world or, or something like that. Um, we have last job stories. We have deal with the devil stories, we have defend the land against the invader stories. You can usually conceal the fact that you're using one of these uh, through jiggery-pokery, but we have, you know, the reason they get used is they have some real power to them, and you will see even very good writers reverting to one of these classic structures. So let's go through how to do it. <laughs> you already know the rule, the beginning rule. Start on a day that's different. No, there's a number of different ways of putting that. But the story has to start off balance. Something's already pushed stability off. So the disturbance, whether it's internal or external, and whether it's visible or not immediately, is underneath the story, which is why you start there. Why are detective novels? You now someone comes to the detective's office and says, I have a job for you. Why? Why does ancient evil emerge and twist the lives of everyone in that small town? Why is ancient evil so busy? Why, you know, why does it have so much to do? You know, why isn't it just retire? It's thousands of years old. It should have retired. It's still, you know, working hard. Well, that's just the way these books go. You know, you're in a tennis game. The ball comes at you. You hit it back. That's, it makes it easier for us, really. But that only gets you so far. So the problem at the beginning is what I call the bootstrapping problem. Because you have to get the reader interested in the story before you can tell them the story. Because you have no plot yet, because all you have is a word, and then a couple more words, and then a sentence, and then a couple more sentences. 
That's why often people start in show a tense future moment in the book where something actually is going on and then fill in, you know, let me tell you how I ended up in that terrible situation. Our readers tend to like structural background and description. That's just our readership. So you can actually do more of that in science fiction and fantasy than you can in other genres. Other genres, people throw the book across the room instantly. A liking for systems and structures and an irritation for events and characters that don't participate in those structures is something that distinguishes our readership. So the main way, I think, and this is one of these things where I'm going to tell you how to do something in an easy way that makes it sound re that really, really is hard to do. So the fact that it only takes me a couple of seconds to say it doesn't mean I think it's easy to do. You have to give them something else at the beginning that makes them want to keep reading. Because we have to give them something irresistible before they know that there's plot to find in the book. That's one thing that's really worth working on quite a bit, is the first couple of paragraphs. So it, that each sentence leads to the next one, but there's something fun there, something they want to read. And then once they've gotten that and they take those first few bites, then, then they're willing to, to keep going. But it's worth really thinking about that's why you're doing it. Not just to be interesting, but to, to get them working before they have any real payoff from the plot that they have to actually get through before they know there's one there. Um, the main thing in writing your plot is that you probably know, you know a huge amount of how to do it, but there's things that are so painful about doing it that you will do something else and you will do whatever you're good at, whether it's description of weather or what someone looks like or how they fold their gloves indicates their social status or whatever it is that you particularly like, you will want to do that instead. And so if you leave with nothing from me but this is if you do that interesting first couple of sentences and then tell that first scene in real time as it's happening, the reader will be yours and will put up with a whole bunch of other stuff from you. So it's traditional to describe the end of the beginning as a one-way door with the rest of the plot behind it, which means that by the end of the beginning, which can be 20%, 25% of whatever work it is, there has to be a sense in which the protagonist is stuck to the rest of the story and can't just say, oh, I'm going home. You know, this is stupid. I, I don't see any reason why I should be here. It can be desire, can be fear, can be pride, can be curiosity, can be that they're going to die. And this is where character comes in because a different personality than the one you've described might not be stuck the way your character is. This is one of these places where the artificiality of plot creation is the most obvious. But it, it really does have a lot of power as a tool. Now I'm all the way in the middle. I, this is where you'll want to evade tormenting your character. Your character will be tired, beaten, crushed, ready to quit. And you've set stuff up so your character can't quit. So you don't want to torment your character. You are involved your character. You love your character. You are the femme fatale in a film noir. You don't love men except for what they can do for you. So you as the writer don't love your character except for what they can do for you. You do have to love your characters, but you love them that, that slinky, silk-wearing way. You know, they have to do your bidding, and you're, they're going to do for you. So there's really two sources of narrative energy. There's suspense. What'll happen? Will he catch that train? Will something come out of the closet? And then there's mystery. How did that happen, or why did that happen? 
Why did the man who kept him from catching the train then disappear without apologizing? You'll want to create mystery by withholding information and not telling them something. That's usually not a good way, although, again, there are very popular books like Presumed Innocent or actually most of Dennis Lehane's books where the point-of-view character won't tell you something important. And then in between suspense and mystery is the hardest and most important thing to put in. Interesting delay. You're really teasing the reader. It's about teasing, frustration, and lack of satisfaction. You never want your reader to be completely satisfied. There's always got to be something left open. The point with your reader is to not allay their their nervousness quickly, is to raise the stress on them all the time. All right, so I'll do one more thing. Plotter character. I work on the plot till I'm stuck. Then I work on the characters. I think about the character, I work out biography, I work out what the character's thinking, until the stuff I'm thinking about the character helps me solve the plot problem. And it's just a way, you know, once one part of your brain gets tired, you switch to a different part of your brain. So you don't keep pounding on the plot, you start working the characters. And then the trick is to make the characters seem absolutely free and coerced and constrained only by their personality and the situation, whereas actually they've been paid by you to throw the game. But it's really just a way of modeling thought. If you model a character in your head, you're thinking in a very different way than when you're thinking about plot. And I think that if you alternate between those two, uh, you'll usually be able to get around something. The text of this recording is copyright 2010 by Alex Yablokov. The sound recording is copyright 2010 by Odyssey Writing Workshops.